Why does Andrew Shear? Why does Andrew Shear have my phone number? That's a question a lot of Canadians have been asking over the last couple of days. The opposition leader, part of a growing list of politicians who are trying to contact you in a brand new way this election year through your phone and through text message. Now, over the past week or so, Scheer has contacted many Canadians about the carbon tax, which, of course, went into effect yesterday in four different provinces. And his text message reads, Andrew Scheer here. Trudeau's carbon tax will raise gas prices on Monday, so fill your tank. And it also contained a link to uh, help get rid of the carbon tax. But again, it left a lot of Canadians scratching their heads going, why is Andrew Scheer, why is he uh, texting me and how did he get my phone number? Let's ask cybersecurity expert David Shipley about that. And he joins us here now on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Pleasure to speak with you as always. Uh, first off, uh, just how did Andrew Shear and the Conservatives get people's uh, phone number? Can you answer that question for a lot of people that want to know? Well, there'd be two types of people. There'd be those that have opted into communications from the Conservative Party of Canada, and that's how they got it. And then there's everybody else in the in the country who they're probably just guessing the numbers. It's now become cost-effective enough and computationally possible to just run the numbers. And we know what Canadian area codes are, and, and just basically it's like that old episode of The Simpsons with the, uh, the dial for dollars. They're just um, pumping out the messages <laughs> and seeing what hits. So literally that's what they're doing, because uh, I would imagine that first group of people that you talk about are already uh, party faithful, and they're not really the ones they've, you know, obviously got to work too hard to win over. But all these others are just basically taking, like, say, here in Toronto, the 416 area code, then getting all the prefixes, and then just attaching random four-digit numbers in the back end? Uh, exactly. I mean, and, and you got to remember that it's fractions of a penny to send these messages. So you know, from a reach and perspective, they've obviously done the political calculus that this is a worthwhile tactic. I would argue, however, that Marshall McLuhan's the medium is the message and the unintended consequences might be at play because when you're hitting people with messages without their consent, you're really sending a message besides what's in the text. You're telling them you don't really care what their preferences are. They absolutely have to hear what you have to say. And that may not bode well on election day. Well, you know, I think for a lot of folks, this feels like an invasion, an invasion of your privacy, because text-to-text communication is really uh, considered to be something that's a private, uh, I'll even use the word intimate. Uh, Usually, you know what, I know David Shipley, he knows me, we got each other's phone numbers, we've exchanged them, and we feel as if it's a real personal one-to-one communication. Absolutely, because at its core, privacy is all about consent, and consentless communication feels like a violation of privacy. And what's really a shame in Canada, and the uh, federal privacy commissioner and various provincial privacy commissioners have consistently called this out, is that politicians and political parties of all stripes have given themselves a giant hall pass on the laws that apply to everybody else. So if you're doing it for political purposes, you can spam people by text and email to your heart's content and we need to rethink that all right well that was my next question obviously there's uh, laws when it comes to uh, people's uh, privacy but uh, sorry you're saying the politicians have kind of exempt themselves uh, from these laws like uh, if i was to do this as a private individual uh, i would be uh, breaching the law but the because you're a politician you can do this 
Absolutely. And that's it. So in these in the two major pieces of legislation, the federal privacy legislation and the Canadian anti-spam legislation, which covers email and text, uh, there are specific exemptions for registered political parties and groups. Um, and so they, they gave themselves an out. They hold uh, people to one standard, um, private sector businesses, small businesses and organizations to require consent for individuals for communications and a whole different standard for themselves. And I think that's wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty big loophole, and it's another example of, uh, once again, government saying, uh, don't do as I uh, do, do as I say, right? And uh, between that and the fact that uh, you're right, how many uh, Canadians are welcoming of these political messages on their their, uh, text or their smartphones, you have to wonder whether or not uh, this is really a smart play. Well, absolutely. And the other part is, um, when you engage in consentless communications and activities like this, um, it's really easy for someone to impersonate you too. And so if I was a bad actor, imagine I could send now text messages using the exact same techniques and technologies, claim I'm Andrew Shear, and instead of a link to a political party website, it's a link to malware. Um, and so you might get blamed for that as well. And so if you have this ability and you use it, you're setting yourself for people to be able to impersonate you and do the same thing and take the blame for it as well. And I think that's a risk that political parties have not well considered. Yeah, that's really interesting because there's been so much talk in the run up and the lead up to our federal election in October about, uh, you know, what happened south of the border in uh, 2016, the Russians trying to influence the election and whether or not that could happen here. This seems as if uh, it's a pretty big opening if a bad actor wanted to get in and uh, start, uh, you know, trying to affect the vote. Oh, absolutely. Technologically, there's not the systems and controls in place to prohibit that. And so um, it leaves us wide open for manipulation. Here in New Brunswick, we actually have experienced um, third-party political actors um, weighing in towards the tail end of our election campaign, again, with this unwanted text messaging. Um, And you can just imagine how that could potentially be abused to send people incorrect voting dates or polling stations. Um, You know, it doesn't take giant leaps of logic to see how this could go wrong for us. Yeah. Is this the first time we've seen it, or at least uh, on this scale, a, a federal leader, a federal party, basically, uh, I'll call it robocalling, but it's not calling, but, uh, you know, just uh, this mass uh, text? Yeah, previously, to my knowledge, the we've seen... Uh different smaller political groups or political action groups um, using this technique to advance their ideologies or messages. But this is the first time, and I think um, it's a really interesting calculation they've made about the attention they're getting, um, the attention they're getting in the media about it, reinforcing um, the message around carbon taxes. And they clearly think that uh, the benefit outweighs the cost. And that's an interesting piece of math. Yeah. What's your gut to tell you? What's uh, your feeling on this? Is this the wave of the future when it comes to political campaigning? Are we going to see more and more of this or are we going to see a bit of a backlash, a bit of an uprising? If we don't see this properly regulated under control, the other political parties, it's like an arms race. They're going to be forced into doing the exact same thing because they're going to feel like they're missing out on this. And then the next thing you know, we're getting messages from every political party um, six months before an election, just annoying everybody. Um, And of course, they're in charge of the legislation, so we can hope for nothing when it comes to regulation. Right. Well, this is also what I'm wondering, even if Canadians are upset about this and we've seen it in the past that we, you know, way back when we didn't want to be bothered at dinner time when uh, the telemarketers uh, were calling to clean our drapes or, uh, you know, duck cleaning, uh, you could get on a do not call list. Uh, can we get on a do not text list? 
Well, absolutely. That's we, we would like to have that capability. But if the politicians are the ones writing the legislation, then they'll just add a paragraph saying does not apply to political parties. Um, so it's it's really interesting. And I, I, I wonder if um, the telecommunications companies, how they feel about this, because imagine the amount of complaints and um, forwarded messages they're getting flooded with from people um, saying this is suspicious. I don't recognize this. So we're also creating costs for our, our industry and business. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next, but I suspect uh, in the short term, get ready to be annoyed a whole bunch more by other political parties as well. <laughs> and just a final point on this, uh, David, do you think that uh, if this is not stopped or there's not some sort of safeguard for Canadians and their smartphones, are we going to see governments and politicians not only during campaign season, but uh, I can imagine if a major piece of legislation comes through that they want to brag about or sell to you, it's another way kind of to circumvent the media, if you will, and get your message directly to Canadians. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's the further erosion of um, the norms and standards we have that, that help make democracy work. Democracy doesn't just work when you show up every election day. There's a whole system of, of processes, media and other things. And um, when politicians can create their own media channels and go um, and communicate en masse, uh, the potential for them to communicate half-truths, mistruths and straight-out lies um, increases dramatically. And that's, that's bad news for all of us. David Shipley, cybersecurity expert. David, really appreciate the insight, and thanks as always for joining us. You're always welcome. You're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.